You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church and also the president of MyXP, a ministry where we provide remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. All right. So today is the last episode 30. Uh huh. That says officially 29 more than I thought we'd get to. I sense that regularly. Yeah. So I'm pumped about that. It's the last one of 2020. I'm uh-huh. excited about that. I'm just excited 2020 is going to be over soon. Yeah. Even if 2021 is not different at the beginning, okay. I'm still glad this is over. Just this year, we get to turn some page. Yeah, except then we just start over at the beginning of maybe awful. Yeah, but it's it's going to end. That's okay. what we're going to hold to. I know. <laughs> I feel like we've flip-flopped places. You well, keep talking a lot I, about mine the is, like, final push, and I'm like... Mm. Mine's realistic, though. I don't I don't think it's going to change January 1st. Well, I don't anymore. Yeah, it's definitely not going to. <laughs> so before, we're, we're uh, going to finish up this series mm-hmm. that we have been in on mm-hmm. uh, building churches we actually want to go to. Okay. But before we do that, we started a new little tradition last week. Yeah. What did we decide those are called? Table talk? Table talk cards. Yeah, they're yeah. great. It's like 25 bucks. Yeah. Unlimited fun for you and your friends. Yeah. Unlimited fun. We'll see. Uh, So we are in the uh, best things ever box. Okay. Question for today. Sure. This is one I know that we're not going to screw up. All right. Uh, What is your favorite animated movie? How much time do we have? We do not want to go all day on animated movies. I'm pretty sure the card I got says that we have 128 hours left oh, on good. this card. So That sound you hear is and every single person clicking off. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that makes a noise, but I appreciate yeah, it that. Um, honestly, I'm going to have to go with the one that like my siblings still to this day can't watch because we used to rotate. We did like family. Well, family being my parents went to their bedroom and we sat outside or sat in the living room and watched the movie. And now I'm wondering what Friday night was at my house that it I said out loud. Parents ditched you in the living room, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So your parents did not watch the movies. Nah. with you. Cool. But we would watch the movies. Yeah. And we would go to Carl's video in Rapid City, South Dakota. Yeah. And we would each get to pick a movie. VHS. Mm-hmm. Rent your VHS. Each get to pick a movie. And uh, everyone else changed it up. And I mean, without fail for years. There were four of us, mm-hmm. so one out of four times per month, we would watch Robin Hood, the one with the fox and, like, the bear. It's one of the and, best. Oh, like, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I still, I, I haven't watched it for a while. I, I need to watch it. It's a good It was one. a good movie. I loved it. Yeah, so, it's still good. Yeah. Our kids, I loved that one, too. And then I think it was Ryder went through a phase. He was uh, obsessed. Every morning he would watch that movie. Oh, really? So we had, like, a oh, second nice. wave with it. I I remember having a crush on Maid Marian. She was a fox. fox. Is that weird? It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of weird. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. It's about as weird as the invisibility cloak that you want to use. I don't to... think we have to go back to that. Oh, no. No. <laughs> yeah, it's still out there for people. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'd have to say, I'm going to go newer. 
I was a real big fan of Frozen 2. Yeah. Even more than Frozen 1. I like Big Hero 6 a lot sure. uh, as well, but I think uh, Frozen 2, it really uh, made me feel all the feels, as the kids like say. It. So that would probably be mine. Yeah. I don't have any long, dramatic story about how I was abandoned during family movie night to go with mine. Unfortunately, yours was a little bit more touching than mine. Well, <laughs> that's, that's about <laughs> par for the course. All right, so we're going to finish out these ser- this series on uh, building churches we actually want to go to. If you have Mm -hmm. missed the first thing, this is episode five of it. If you missed the first four, make sure you go back and listen to those. Last week, uh, we talked about uh, preparing our hearts for people to leave. The clearer that we get on the cultures that we want to create, the more polarizing they will become. Mm. And we hear the word polarizing and tend to think of that as a negative thing. And it's not always a negative thing. It's about us being very, very clear on what are you grinning about already? Like, so we shared a couple weeks ago, we're in a new space. We're working on outfitting the space. Yeah. It's not done yet, which mm-hmm. anyone who knows me knows that I'm like dying a little on the inside that it's not just instantaneously done. Yeah. But we have a very talented designer at our church and like, I can like feel it happening and I'm just so happy. Okay, good. I need you to be present in the conversation I and, am. and not just excited and grinny the whole time. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Because it's distracting, or we got to get that wall put in place. <laughs> All right, so clearer we get, more polarizing cultures become, and uh, the more that people are going to come to the realization that what you have built is not necessarily what they want. And that's okay. So today, we're going to shift away from ourselves to actually helping people exit well. Mm. And so one way that we've always talked about this, my first full-time position was as a worship pastor uh, at a church uh, north of Chicago. And uh, in it was it was a pretty traumatic first start into it. Uh, It was a church that ended up closing, uh, Mm. unfortunately. We had a um, very gifted lead pastor. Um, who was very gifted with communication and vision, struggled though relationally. Uh, and so as a result, we had this revolving door of people. People sure. would come, they'd be so pumped, and then it would get weird and we wouldn't handle those exits well. And so what ended up happening was I it was a pretty small suburb mm-hmm. uh, just north of Chicago. And so I would see these people that would leave at Target. And I literally, there was a few times I literally ducked behind a different aisle because I was so embarrassed to see them because I knew we had handled their exits so unbelievably poorly. Mm. So our goal is always what we call the target test. Sure. That when someone leaves our church, even whether it's like, even if it's because of conflict or because we screwed up or something like that, I always want to make sure that if I see that person at Target, I'm not embarrassed and ducking behind aisles because sure. we handled it so bad. It's fair. So what we're talking about today is has how on our end, everything we can do to make sure that people are able to exit well. Make sense? Yeah. With me so far? Mm-hmm. You still, you're still here? Or are you thinking I'm, about I'm more here. furniture? I'm not thinking about furniture. I do... Can, for me, it be like the Costco test? I don't really go to Target. I don't really care what you call it at okay. this point, right. to be honest. you could, It can be wherever. It could be the Disney test. It could be the star. It could be sure. whatever you want it to be. Okay. I'm going to call it test. the Target test. Right. Yeah, it's Fair just enough. a, It's just an un- unawkward test, which okay. in this moment, we're failing because yeah. I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I do, too. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through a list of five, six things. But here's the first one. There's your choices that we're going to make and how we can help people exit well. The mm. first one is... And this is something that we've been talking about the last couple of months a lot is choose not to be a whipping boy. Mm. 
Um, I don't know who it is that sort of declared this rule that as pastors and ministry leaders, when someone decides they're going to leave our church, that we are for some reason like biblically and morally obligated to sit with them and have them puke all over us all the reasons that they're leaving and all the reasons they don't like us. I would like that person's name. Who declared that? Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know, but everyone does it. Yeah. Like, and I even hear people pushing for it. Like, yeah. make sure you're meeting with people who are leaving. Yeah. And to a degree, I think when there is, is so when would you say is a time you should meet with some, like that it is really necessary to do? Yeah, I think it's not about them leaving. I think it's about if somebody has a question or concern. So pre-leaving. Yeah, of course. But once the decision is made to lead, leave, why on earth do we have to sit and mm -hmm. get beat up on for that? I don't know. So yes, if there's something to work out on the front end, that's totally different. Yeah. Or someone wants clarification, sure. like we talked about last week. Yeah, and I think that... Um, I think it's, you know, checking in with the person whether or not uh, the clarification that you landed on, uh, like how it sits with them. Because I think sometimes you sit down with someone, they ask some questions, you clarify, all right, well, let's pray and go. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, they were like totally sideways yeah. <laughs> about what you said and you didn't know that. So I think it's important to understand, like, you know, get some feedback from people. So walk me through, like, now that you understand, what are your thoughts? Just so that you know where they're at. Yeah, but yeah. I've had a number of exit conversations where the person's already made the decision they're leaving. Yeah. They know they're leaving. I sure. know they're leaving. And for some reason we still do this awkward dance where then we get together and they hurt me <laughs> basically yeah. or vice versa. Yeah. Because you get defensive and we'll talk about some of the reasons I think that we do this, Yeah, but that's just not really constructive for anyone. So no. first, first thing is just choose not to be a whipping boy. Uh, second one is choose relationship over the need to be right. Yeah. So go ahead. You start on that. Oh, okay. Um, I think that uh, as you have these conversations, and again, for some of us, it's choosing not to have the conversation at all. But I think in general, it's really important that we um, go, into, go into these conversations. And I think what it really boils down to is if it's a matter of preference, mm -hmm. uh, like – don't engage mm -hmm. because especially if the person has asked for clarification on the why you've provided the explanation, there's just no value in engaging on preferential issues at mm -hmm. all. Like if it's not like some sort of sin thing, if they're not confronting you on something, but it's just like you don't have X, Y, and Z and you should have X, Y, and Z, or you don't disciple the way I want, or you don't this and that. Like at that point, it's just not helpful. Mm -hmm. Like you are clearly like have a vision for how you're going to do it at your church if they have a problem with the way it's going. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a great opportunity for you to just say, man, I, you know, I think as a matter of fact, at full disclosure in having some of these conversations, uh, when it comes to preferential issues, oftentimes my response, and I work really hard not to be smug about it, but it's just, you know, the beauty about deciding to plant a church is that a lot of these things you get to decide. Right. And so, by all means, if you believe that there's a different way or a better way or a preferred way for it to be done, then I invite you to plant your own. Mm -hmm. And uh, and good luck. Mm -hmm. And I and I, I don't mean that as sarcastically as it sounds. I genu genuinely know like part of the reason that someone chooses to plant a church is because they believe that there's a vacuum or a hole or something missing in the churches that are offered in their area. 
Otherwise, just go to the one that you really, really resonate with. That's what we've been talking about. Right. So if you're a church planner, you've decided to plant a church or you've decided to pastor a church and, and make some changes, whatever it is, it's because you believe there's a need for that. And someone else's belief of an opposing need mm-hmm. is not going to change your decision. And ultimately, that person should find a place where it aligns with their values and their preferences yeah. or um, just like be okay with being different. Yeah. So then you end up in this conversation with someone because mm-hmm. you haven't done the first one, which is yep. you have found yourself, whether it was intentionally or unintentionally, you're in a position where you are going to have to hear from people. Your point is when the things that someone's bringing up are not issues of sin or character issues in your life, but they're just preferential things. The point is like, don't, don't feel the need to press in and make that person feel wrong or bad because they have a preference that differs than your own. Right? right. That's what you're saying. Right. And, and so, yeah. And just don't make it a thing. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't engage it at all. Like, okay. Yeah. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And move on. I literally say that in meetings. Cool. Totally understand. That's great. Yeah. Like I get it. But I would say to do that requires what we, what we're talking about, which is to choose the relationship over the need to be right. Absolutely. Like, so you don't, like you don't have to get into, well, here's why you're wrong. Right. Here's why our preference is better than, or Mm -hmm. any of those things. Just skip all that. Just go in knowing they're going to have preferential things and you're going to have to take that on the chin and that's okay. Have the, I think that's a tremendous act of sanctification to humble yourself in that moment and say, I'm not going to make this person, I'm not going to fight to be right. I'm just going to take, Everything this person has to say about these preferential things, just take it on the chin. Who cares? And it's just, it's such a unique career choice uh, being a pastor because it's not like you get to sit down with your surgeon afterwards and be like, well, I uh, reviewed the tape of my surgery and what I feel like you should have done differently is X, Y, and Z. I saw you put the tongs there and they Mm -hmm. really should have got, like you don't have a situation really in very many other, maybe the restaurant industry, but Mm -hmm. where someone who is unqualified to make decisions or to speak into uh, processes and systems and choices and all of those kind of things gets like full, like willy nilly, like just to like spout off about what they think. And I think the problem with that is uh, so often we're interacting with people who they think about church on Sunday morning Mm -hmm. and you think about it all week long and it keeps you up at night and it gets you up early in the morning. And it is what the time away from your kids and your wife and all of those types of things are spent on. And I think it's really easy to like when somebody says something like that for you to feel like, you know what? I've thought about that. I tried that two churches ago. I whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not helpful because the truth is the likelihood they can find somewhere again, Utah's a little bit unique, but they can somewhere find a church that does the thing they're looking for is pretty high. Yeah, totally. So choose the relationship over the need to be right. Yep. Uh, Thirdly, choose not to beg people to stay. I think this is where, going back to last week, where insecurity really comes in. If you're fearful about any number of things, um, you might be prone to want to convince someone to stay, even if it's preferential. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could be prone to want to go, okay, well, you want that kind of small group. Well, we can start that and we'll help do that. And you get into this mm-hmm. situation where you're trying to convince someone sure. to, 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 to stay and to be a part of something that they're really not into. And, and I think that, uh, that one reason that people have a tendency 
to beat us up, to get together with us, to have these conversations. You were mentioning this yesterday is that we've so, even if you think about like, if you were to go online and you were to Google when to leave a church, yeah, there's a ton of articles about that. Oh yeah, And some of them are super good. Yeah. Um, but a tendency that can run through them is basically like you have to have a sin issue sure. to leave. Egregious sin in the leadership. Egregious yep. sin in leadership or some sort of like heresy theologically. Yep. Uh, otherwise, you should always stay and you're wrong for leaving. Yep. And we don't believe that. Mm-mm. And uh, we don't want to make people feel that. But one one reason people might feel inclined, well, I have to meet with the pastor to tell him, you know, all of these things is because they've been taught. And if I'm if I don't have some sort of specific sin to bring to them, I don't have a good reason to leave. Sure. So they're immediately on the defensive. Absolutely. Yeah, they want to feel justified in their decision. And so if if you are like leave the meeting hobbled, then I can feel like, all right, now I have the now I have the permission or the, mm-hmm. the slip that allows me to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so again, we've we've tried to always be very very open-handed with people and to make mm-hmm. people feel very open-handed. I've tried to even verbalize like you know, I know that when you go visit church plants, sometimes you feel this insecurity from the church planter where mm-hmm. you feel mm-hmm. that they are like, oh my gosh, how are we going to get this thing? Please, going? Yeah, please yeah. don't leave. Please don't leave. And I'm, so I've just tried to verbalize, even if it wasn't always entirely the way that I felt, because sure. I did feel fearful. I've still tried to verbalize like, hey, I'm not insecure. You don't have to be here. You can go anywhere you want. We like, I don't care that everyone call Ridgeline home. I care that every single person has a healthy church home where they can put down roots. And so we've worked hard to not only say that, but then help people find the place that will actually accomplish what they're looking for. Totally. And I think as you kind of apply the other episodes we've talked about, the reason that it's important to figure out what that church is that you want to lead and to go to is then you can begin communicating it like we've talked about along the way. And it might even stave off some of these conversations because if you're crystal clear about who your church is, about who God's called you to be, about how you're going to operate, I think that it can... uh, create an environment where people will recognize you're not begging them to stay. In some cases, you're inviting them to go. I think uh, we've always taught kind of a class early on, uh, an intro class, uh, you know, this is class, whatever you want to call it. And we've been in a place where uh, it puts like, uh, we we do our best to be really explicit about who we are. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for years, I've taught that class at different churches. And I always, always, always end it by praying the same way. I pray that God would either light their heart on fire for what he's doing at our church, or he would make it clear to lead them somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And we actually are interested in people attending that class when, we, when we're able to offer it immediately. Right. Because I think it's so helpful to just let people know, man, we do have a clear culture. We mm-hmm. do have a clear vision about what God's called us to. And either you're like, yes, mm-hmm. or boo. Right. And for the boo people, and I even say at the end of the class after I pray, I say, listen, if for whatever reason something about our conversation led you to feel like this is not my church home, like find me. I know churches in the area. If you let me know what you're looking for, I'll do my best to point you in a direction. Yep. But I want you to feel like convicted that this is where you're supposed to be, not just like, well, this is the one I found online first. Right. Yeah. Right. So choose not to beg people to stay. Mm-hmm. We got we got two more points. I'm yep. going to reverse the order of what we're looking at. All I, right. was, I was just going to do it, but I was afraid you'd panic. So okay. thanks. That's good. People love hearing that in the yeah. microphone. Okay. Yeah. That like just, Mr. Ed sound yeah. that you just made. <laughs> 
we have new mics that are a little bit more hot. A little and hot. So probably yeah. a little less sound effects yeah. from us would be helpful. All right. So choose to be measured and mm. truthful in communication. Yeah. So by that, I mean, uh, and then I want you to expound on that, but yeah. don't lash out. Yeah. So you're in a, in a conversation where someone has conveyed to you. The, I would say conversation, email, text, however they've chosen to convey it to you. Yeah. But we want to be measured and truthful in communication, meaning we're not going to lash out, yep. but we're also not going to lay down. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. So lash out, meaning we get um, hyper defensive. And again, we really feel like I need to be right in this situation. And so we end mm -hmm. up lashing out. That's a, You're going to fail. That's not going to go. You're giving that person yeah. uh, ammunition to be able to criticize you yeah. after they're gone. You're making it awkward when you see them at Costco or Target or wherever <laughs> you shop. Yeah. I pretty much don't shop anywhere. Mm -hmm. So. If they don't come to the ministry center or my house, I don't see people. Sure. But but you're also not going to lay down. And I yeah. think that this isn't this is an equal error, which is we're going to allow people to say things, make claims that may in fact not be accurate. And that that's when we talk about taking stuff on the chin, like what we're talking about is someone can verbalize they would like to have a particular preference and we're just going to let that go. Mm -hmm. If someone's saying you did this, you didn't yeah. do that, and it's inaccurate, we're not talking about just letting that stuff go. No. We're talking about speaking into that, being measured and careful so that it's not antagonistic, so that we're not trying to bully or be rude or be harsh or be mean, but we are going to speak truth to that. And sure. you, you do a better job of that than almost anyone I've ever met. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. No, yeah, I think that it's important to just, um, I think that if someone leaves because, let's just put it in the bucket of what they're communicating is like, you've hurt me. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really important that. Which is happening a ton in right 2020. Now, well, yeah. Because every, everyone well. is, well, uh, on both ends, like people, everyone, we're all like this big walking nerve. Yeah. It takes the smallest poke yep. for it to hurt. Um, and like pastors are not super clear headed right now. Nope. And we're doing dumb stuff. Like yeah. it's taken everything inside of me to not like blow a gasket in a couple sermons this year because I feel just, just in general, yeah. I've had a hard time. And then some of the things I'm talking about, whether it be things like race or character or some of these things that have been real prevalent this year, I feel yeah. those things deeply. It's hard not to explode on those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, just making sure that, um, if, if what someone's alleging is inaccurate, it's fine to correct it. Yeah. You know, and I think that you just never know what God's going to do in that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not a matter of like, you're wrong or like, or responding wounded or responding, you know, like you said, like uh, acting out as a part of it or like freaking out on people. It's not a matter of that. It's just like, um, that is an inaccurate recollection of the details of what happened. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, oftentimes uh, people are going to dig in their heels and they're going to just believe what they believe but, I mean, we've even experienced in our ministry career, uh, like, walking someone through, well, I believe that you feel that way. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I believe that every time mm -hmm. somebody meets with me uh, to, to allege something or something, I believe they feel that to their core. Because if they're willing to sit down with you, they're not coming in with a bunch of, like, shenanigans. Like, mm -hmm. some part of them feels that way. But especially right now, helping walk people through 
um, here is what happened mm -hmm. or here's how this transpired or here's what I did or mm -hmm. here's what you did or here's how long it actually was sometimes can change people's minds mm -hmm. and can put them to a place. Again, it's not about begging people to stay, but I think in those types of situations, people are, um, they're just hurt. Mm -hmm. They're hurt, and and it doesn't make the hurt any less real. But you say all the time, "What is it? Um, what you feel does not dictate yes, what's real." Exactly. Yeah. Um, glad you were picking up what I was putting down there. Yeah. Because yeah, I say a lot of things. That was <laughs> sure. That was real glad I could. That get was that. a little ESP there. Yeah. But yeah, and I think that um, and just because it's not real doesn't mean you can't feel it to like the tip of your toes. Sure. doesn't mean and... it doesn't feel real. <laughs> right. But I, but sometimes uh, sadly less and less, this seems to be true in our culture, but sometimes facts really do help people go, Oh yeah, you're right. I forgot. Right. Like we just had a situation recently yep. where there was a, uh, a p person who had a recollection yep. or had a feeling that we then spoke fact into and they were like, sure. you're totally right. And sure. we're, we're great now. Yeah, absolutely. But and had we just laid down sure. and said, you're right. We're so sorry. There's a good possibility that person would have been like, well, that confirms what I thought and I'm sure, out of here. You failed me and I'm gone. Yeah, right. absolutely. And I think that uh, it's okay. And like, in in that situation you're referencing, um, I'm just going to speak for me. I did not fail those people. And I uh, just based on the way that God wired me, my brain was able to lay out in very thorough fashion how that looked. Mm -hmm. And 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 again, it wasn't even a matter of, no, I didn't, nah, nah, nah. Mm -hmm. I ended it with like, I'm not sure what else I could have done, but like, you're welcome to let me know. And I think when they looked through end to end the list of things that were contrary to some of the uh, allegations on the other end of it, it was just like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. that stuff did happen. 2020 yeah. has sucked. Right. And <laughs> honestly, which really you know, was the big yeah, idea. Yeah. And, and, and I also think we don't have it here, but I think uh, as you choose to be measured and truthful in communication, leave room for the fact that the, like the Holy spirit can work in that mm -hmm. and change people's minds. Yeah. And maybe they just want, like, I think uh, this is just like, this is just for free. It doesn't have anything to do with this. I think we have to really, allow people like an undo button on stuff they've said this year. I think I that's just... good. Yeah. But I think, I think, you know, your point about, and even the emotion around allowing room for the Holy spirit to work. Like I know why it makes you emotional because it, it, we've not seen, it's not that we don't see the Holy spirit work, yeah. but by and large, like when someone gets to a point like yeah. this, like it doesn't, it doesn't usually end with this great big redeeming conversation and we hug it out and we move sure. on and we're fine. Most of the time it doesn't. We just recently have had a situation where it has, and it's amazing to see God do that. But it is, it is, I think it's really hard to fight cynicism personally, mm -hmm. where I just get to a point where I feel like, well, I've seen this a million times. And when someone's to this point, this is how it ends. Sure. And it's real hard to like hold on to hope that, well, maybe God's going to work in this and this is going to end up being okay. Sure. Well, and but he I does. Think, absolutely. And I think another example in this point, and I think it also ties a little bit to our first point about choosing not to be a whipping boy. But uh, one of the ways that I was measured and truthful in, in communication, I had someone uh, request a meeting and I had a little hunch. I think if we're honest as pastors, somebody's like, hey, can we meet? You're probably like, eh, they're leaving. 
Yeah. You know, and so I, I had a hunch based on a couple of data points, uh, not a ton, but mm-hmm. just a hunch. And as the person arrived, um, they had like a multi-page front and back letter mm-hmm. that I was presented with, but then told I would be walked through. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And what happened was the letter itself uh, was interesting, but there was a lot of ver- like deviation. It wasn't just like being read. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of vamping and a, a lot, lot of, of extra. Yeah, a lot of extra that mm-hmm. was there. Um, and it, uh, what it, what became very clear was that it was very preferential driven, um, but not seen that way through their eyes. And as a result, uh, about partway through the meeting, I just stopped it and I said, you know what? I said, I don't think this meeting adds any value. Mm-hmm. I don't think that um, clearly, I mean, you, you've told me the name of where you've decided to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that you feel burdened to, you know, share all of these things with me. But I really think like, on, and I said, for the sake of the relationship um, and, and just the fact that I just so strongly disagree with you. But I, I just asked this person, I said, so are you interested in hearing about that? And and they had consulted the people they needed to to feel very justified in their position. And there was just no point in it. And yeah. so I said, you know what? Let me pray for the meeting and let's just go. Yeah. And I feel like uh, target test. I'm not going to dodge behind aisles when mm-hmm. I see that person. Um, it's going to be a little bit awkward because uh, I think some things – Uh, again, I think if people want the undo button, they can get it. You don't get to push it for them. So certain things were said and, and, and things like that. But I think, um, I think I was just willing to be like, you know what? Like, let's just not, Mm -hmm. because again, to your point, what was just interrupt you? What, what was the person's re just like real time in the moment? Cause I I could see people listening to that and being like, well, I bet that didn't go over great. Mm -hmm. What was the, in the moment was the person like shocked? Were they like, you're totally right. Like just, just yeah. in your, in the experience um, of that situation, was the person a little shell shocked? Yeah. I don't yeah. think they were super positive, but I think that they really felt, uh, and I think part of it was, uh, they were quite a bit younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so came in pretty amped, you know, like, you know, sort of like Rocky before a fight probably did a lot of the like, mm-hmm. you know, air punching and that kind of thing yeah. to get themselves psyched up. And so I think it sort of pops your balloon when you feel mm-hmm. like you're coming in on a soapbox and going to let somebody have it a little bit. And the person doesn't and reciprocate that emotion and exactly passion for sure. and urgency. Yeah. And, yeah. Cause I just, um, I was, uh, you know, I think uh, you are much better at this than me. Sometimes it takes me a lot of words to say a very little. In general, uh, your meetings tend to be two to three times longer than mine. That's true. Is what I find. That's always true. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And um, in this case, what was trying to be conveyed was communicated in like the first sentence. Yeah. And there were lots of pages more of, yeah. of fleshing it out. Yeah. And I felt like I understood we weren't going to change our position and we just... Uh, fundamentally disagreed. Yep. And so it just, it did not, it didn't honor the Lord. It didn't mm-hmm. honor one another to get into it because it, truthfully in that, I think sometimes when people, as much as we talk about not being a whipping boy, uh, sometimes people are going to come in and they're going to just do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to come in and, and they are looking for you to be a little bit bloody. And so uh, we all have the ability to respond in our flesh. And I know that I like, I could feel kind of like the, um, anger guy from mm-hmm. inside out. I mm-hmm. could just feel he was taking the control. Oh man. I could feel myself <laughs> getting read like a cartoon character and it was almost to the, and I was just like, yeah. you know what? Let's go ahead and brand go. Yeah. Uh, because it just, it wasn't necessary. It yeah. wasn't necessary for me. It wasn't necessary for them. Didn't help anybody. Yeah. 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 I, I think, yeah, I think it, I, th- I, uh, I think one of the biggest 
problems right now within Christianity is the way that faith is just empowers such bad behavior. Mm. You know, like there's, I mean, whether it has to do with politics right now or race, but, but just the way that like, if I have this, like in this situation, this yeah. person had these convictions about yeah. really like the right way to make disciples as yeah. if there were one method or mechanism yep. by which to do that. But, but the way that that just like so empowers you to cling to things and to go on the offensive and yeah. the attack. And it's just, it's really scary the yeah. way that faith can empower us to be awful to one another. And we do well to remember that like, whether it's in first Corinthians 13 or mm-hmm. Paul's writing about love, or I'm finishing up first Peter now and, and Peter's like above all. Yep. And he's got a lot of imperatives in yep. first Peter, but he says above all love one another. Yep. And so I think that's really what informs like relationship over the need to be right. And everything you're talking about yep. is like, let's just actually try to love one another. Totally. Even if we don't see eye to eye. Yeah. So everything we've talked about thus far has a lot to do with in the conversation, before the conversation, handling people. So this last one, the reason I wanted to wait is this uh, last one is about after people are gone. Yep. And what we do, because I, I would say this this journey doesn't necessarily end after people have left and gone somewhere else because they're still connected relationally sure. and people are going to see that they're gone or hear that they're gone. Yep. And so this last point is we think it's really important to choose to honor people in their exit. Yep. And so that means a couple different things. Um, Scripture says that love covers a multitude of sins. So yep. again, in the name of love, we work hard not to disparage people when yep. they leave. Like, I think it would be super um, gross and hypocritical to sit with someone and to um, choose relationship over the need to be right and just kind of take stuff on the chin. But then once they leave, go to everyone they know and like basically just talk crap about them. Yeah. Disparage them as Absolutely. they're gone. That would be awful yeah. and unloving and terrible and destructive. Sure. And you undo, I would argue, all the good you did in that meeting after the meeting when you just vent all this gross negativity totally. that you didn't in the meeting. Totally. Um, and then one thing you're really good at, and you've kind of hinted at this a couple different times, but like when someone leaves, I think this is what we, we try to, not just with people who are leaving, but culturally, I would say, we've tried to create an environment where people are going to leave. Yeah. And that that's okay. That there right. doesn't need to be a scandal. Totally. And I think usually people think like, whew, I wonder what happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think uh, the problem is the reason that the Bible so directly addresses gossip is that, like, people just love good gossip, you mm-hmm. know, and they love to hear about it. And, you know, in Christianity, it's, you know, f- like, well, how can I pray for that person? Yeah. Or, you know, that type of thing. And I think uh, we talked, uh, I think, last week or the week before about, like, don't feign like being wounded mm-hmm. uh, about something. And I think that's the same thing. Like, let's not like spin it out. Right. Like, yeah, they don't go here anymore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and if people want to like know more about the story, I think they can reach out to those people. I think uh, I always want to make sure people know. And if you have any questions based about that conversation, you can absolutely reach out to us Mm -hmm. just to, uh, you know, there's two sides to every story. And I don't think it's a matter of uh, fleshing out the details, but I think uh, depending on how someone left, we're going to assume positive intent, but they might uh, remember incorrectly Mm -hmm. uh, the details. So that that example I gave, uh, we had that situation where uh, someone was uh, provided with incorrect details about 
the story. Oh, the specific meeting that you would have. Yes. A conversation was had after the fact with mm-hmm. another member, and the meeting yeah. was recounted in a highly inaccurate fashion. Exactly. Right. And so, again, I still didn't, uh, I believe, uh, I did not disparage that person in any way. No. Uh, but I was able to address, well, that's not what happened. Right. And in this case, it was just me and them in the meeting. And so that person had to choose where where they uh believed i guess you know yeah. uh it's not like just you, you know putting yourself in a place where it's your word against theirs and all of that but truthfully um like i didn't feel that amped about it mm-hmm. i didn't need you know for you to like sign your name on blood that we're best friends yeah. like i just wanted to make sure that you understood there might be another way of thinking about how these details took place yeah uh but i think outside of that i think just making sure that people don't because because uh it's not about like us versus them or it's not about like once they've left, like they're bad or anything like that. Like, I don't know, still hang out with those people, whatever. Yeah. And, and truthfully, like, and if they're going somewhere that you decide to visit cause you're real besties with them and it like lights your heart on fire, then amen. Right. I love my church. Right. I want everyone who goes here to love this church. Right. And if you don't, all right. Yeah. But one thing that we are uh, intentional about is, as people leave, as much as we are open-handed, we're also very passionate about protecting unity in totally. our church. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that we will do to that end is if we we will reach out to the people that are in that person's Absolutely. sphere or the family's sphere that left, we will reach We're never like weird. We're like, yeah. don't hang out with them or right. anything like that. But we do want to check in and, and in a caring way say, hey, like, I know you know. Yeah. You know, because you've talked. And are you okay? Do you have any sure. questions? Are we good? Right. You know, do you feel any of those same things? But rather than just let that hang around and, you know, maybe their sphere. Like, I've, I've seen this uh, in churches that do have, like, a really heavy small group thing. Yeah. I've seen that, that I've seen this in multiple churches. But usually when mm-hmm. one person goes in the small group, you're going to yep. lose the whole group. Yep. Or if people come in a group. Every single time I meet like seven people who all have come from another church because they got sideways, I am never pumped. I'm always nervous because <laughs> you know, you're just one of the, you, this yeah. is what you guys do. Like yeah. you're just moving from place to place. All it takes is for us to turn one of you sideways. All seven of you leave. Sure. So we want to head that off by trying to reach out and get a sense of where this person's at. And if we need to, and, and again, never to disparage, never to do any of that or yeah. like bash the, this person that they were in are in relationship with, but to make sure that we're good and we are working to preserve unity. Right. And just check in and like, Hey, is there anything we need to talk about? Yeah. You know, the, like, because again, at that time, you know, it doesn't conflict with what we're saying because that person has not communicated their leaving. Now, if their response is, well, yeah, actually I was going to meet with you too. It's like, cool. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, not flippantly, but I just, I just cannot stress enough. Like if you're in a church where you're just kind of miserable or you don't trust the leaders or whatever, find one that you do. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, my one caution to that would be if you're finding that regularly, uh, you need to do some hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if you're always in one of those things or I don't know, plant, plant one yourself. Yeah. It's, it's really easy. You'll find out. Yeah. Yeah, at least have the sobering reality of like, well, this is a lot harder than than what I've always thought it is. Yep. So I feel like this has been a good series. Yeah, I love it. It We've covered this some is, good ground. I, I love this concept. I think, I hope uh, it's been helpful. I think that's the whole point of this podcast is to be helpful. Mm-hmm. And I really 
genuinely hope if there's anyone out there who's going to think about these things differently or uh, or make sure that your church is a place that you want to go. Mm-hmm. I think that the passion that we have that comes from that is I have been uh, in all types of situations and some that I love and others that um, I barely want to like show up to. Mm-hmm. And, and it's miserable. Uh, it's miserable. I mean, miserable, miserable, miserable. Because like I said, so many of the people in your church will think about it on Sunday morning when they realize that they're late. Yeah. Um, but they stop and get their Starbucks anyway. Yeah. You know that they do. Yeah. Um, you like live and breathe because it's God's call on your life to be the pastor of this church. And so you've got to love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. And I think my last, the last thing I'd add is just to go back to what I said last week. Um, I didn't think about it ahead of time, but I've been thinking about it so much since because I've experienced and that's it. I would rather fail at planting the church, building the church I want to go to than succeeding at being a part of one that I don't. It's just not. And I mean, and I think the hard thing about this is that if, if someone would have said that to me, uh, six years ago, seven years ago, I would Mm -hmm. think I would have been like, "Mm, okay. Sure. And so I don't know. I don't know if, if very many people have the ears to hear that. But I just want to continue to reiterate, like, if you love the people of your church, you love what you get to do, Mm. and you're, like, comfortable with, like, your bills are getting paid, um, you don't have these, like, major pain points where, like, your kids aren't eating and, Mm. you know, stuff like that, then I would just say, like, you won. Yeah. Like, you get to do meaningful, eternal work with people you care about and for a God who's good. Like most people don't get that right. their whole lives. Right. So you've won yep. and it doesn't matter if it's gigantic. What matters is, do you love it? Absolutely. If you can love it and it's big, cool. Yep. But if you can love it and it's small, who cares? Right. Like we just have got to find a way to allow that to die in our hearts. Yep. To allow ourselves to believe in the, uh, and be content in the church that God's entrusted us to. As always, we want you to know that we counted a huge honor that you would take time to listen to this episode. If you've enjoyed it, you can also help us in three ways. First, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find From the Field on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. So take just a second and hit that subscribe button. Second, leave a review wherever you listen. Reviews are one of the main factors that increase the visibility of podcasts on their various platforms, so even just a few words or a simple rating make a massive difference. Lastly, we would love to connect with you on social media. So you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And you can find me on the same platforms at at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.